Hello everyone, uh, welcome back. I'm Rev Chris and this is Come Read With Me and I'm with my good friend David Ingle. Hello, it's good to be back with you all. And David is from an organisation called Burning Heart. Uh, look it up. Burningheart.org. Burningheart.org. And um, we are coming towards the end of Acts and we are on Acts chapter 24. Um, let me pray for us uh, as we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness today. Thank you that your mercies are new every day. Thank you for this opportunity to sit down with a friend and read the Bible. And uh, Lord, I pray that you would bless everyone listening and that you would encourage hearts, you would bring peace to them um, as they listen in their kitchens, in their cars, in their lounges, in their bedrooms, or wherever they are on their walk. Um, Lord, bless them. May they know they're loved and may they um, be open to engaging with the scriptures today. Give David and I wisdom and discernment and understanding and help us be a blessing to all those who listen and watch. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Acts 24, the trial before Felix. Five days later, the high priest Ananias went to Caesarea with some of the elders and a lawyer named Tertullius, and they brought their charges against Paul before the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullius presented his case before Felix. We have enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge with profound gratitude. But in order not to weary you further, I would request that you be kind enough to hear us briefly. We have found this man to be a troublemaker, stir, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. He is a ringleader for the Nazarene sect and even tried to desecrate the temple. So we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to learn the truth about all these charges we are bringing against him. The Jews joined in the accusation, asserting that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, I know that a number I know that for a number of years you have been a judge over this nation so I gladly make my defense you can easily verify that no more than 12 days ago I went up to Jerusalem to worship my accusers did not find me arguing with anyone at the temple or stirring up a crowd in the synagogues or anywhere else in the city and they cannot prove to you the charges they are now making against me however I admit that I worship the God of our fathers as a follower of the way which they call a sect. I believe everything that agrees with the law and that it is written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God as these men. And there will be a resurrection, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So I strive always to keep my conscience clear before God and man. After an absence of several years, I came to Jerusalem to bring my people gifts for the poor and to present offerings. I was ceremonially clean when they found me in the temple courts doing this. There was no crowd with me, nor was I involved in any disturbance. But there are some Jews from the province of Asia who ought to be here before you and bring charges if they have anything against me. Or these who are here should state what crime they found me in when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Unless it was this one thing, I shouted as I stood in their presence, it is concerning the resurrection of the dead that I am on trial before you today. Then Felix, who was well acquainted with the way, adjourned the proceedings. When Lysias, the commander, comes, he said, I will decide your case. 
He ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about the faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul discoursed on righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Porcius Festus. But Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews. He left Paul in prison. Well, that's the first time I think I've ever just read clean through a whole chapter in the whole <laughs> of our podcasts together uh, since we started with Mark. Um, but I just felt it was a clear narrative of yeah. this whole trial. So why stop? Um, interesting trial. You can. You, it, it's funny, you know, 2000 years ago and the legal structure is kind of still recognizable, you know, the way yeah. in which two people present their cases and their introductory arguments. So this guy's a troublemaker, he's causing riots. And you kind of go, oh, well, it seems reasonable. And then you suddenly hear the other, well, I was like, oh, they did not find me arguing. They did not find me causing a stir. I was ceremonially clean. I just went to the temple. And you hear the kind of opening arguments as they present their cases. Well, they do you not feel that there's a sort of something else going on in the background? I mean, there's, there's, there's an infuriating lack of concern for justice here as well. Oh, yeah? Well, I mean, I suppose just that last bit, you know, when two years passed, Felix is succeeded, but because he wants to grant a favour to the Jews, he leaves Paul in prison. Yeah. So and he wants a bribe. He's he's mm. not, he, well, either he wants a bribe or he's trying to keep the peace. He's not actually interested in justice. Yeah. He's not interested in what Paul did and didn't do. You know, he's heard the opening arguments and then decided, probably realised that Paul is innocent. Mm. probably realised that he's telling the truth, but thought, do you know what? It'd just be easier to keep him in prison. Mm. Um, and you sort of get a, you get an idea that there's something like that going on because the, the opening arguments, I mean, Tertullus is like properly, you know, sucking up to, to you know, yeah. we have enjoyed a long period of peace under you and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. Mm. I mean, you don't butter up the judge to quite that extent yeah. in, a, in a modern trial. Yeah. He's, you know, going, oh my goodness, you're the most amazing person ever. Ever. I mean, we're so lucky that you're our governor. Mm. We love you. And um, because he knows what he's actually trying to do is to get Felix mm. to take his side. And so, I don't know, I was just reading this and I was just feeling for Paul. And I was thinking, you know, how infuriating must it have been mm. to be... I mean, is it, is it, is it, I mean, two years is about the longest he's been anywhere. But is it, is he's it, this active man. Yeah. He wants to preach the gospel. He, he obviously even tries preaching the gospel. We see in verse twenty-five to Felix, and Felix is like, "No, no, no, no I don't want to hear this." Yeah. And you know, he must have just been sat there thinking, "Okay, I, I know God said that this would happen, but why? But I why wonder, am I just is, locked is, up? Isn't this the time where he he writes his letters?" Isn't this the time where the, he writes to the different churches, and we have the book of, you know, the book of Romans and Colossians and um, and Philemon and Hebrew, and he he he's writing these letters while in this prison here. Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I mean, we, I mean, I think he wrote his letter over letters over quite a long period of time, so mm. I don't think they're all written at one point, but. Um, I think he's always he's he's writes things like and here I am in chains. Yeah, so there's there's, def there's definitely times when we and know this is the period, isn't it? Well, 
I mean, it's interesting because I've um, been, uh, as you know, my, our, our latest film series that we brought out a few months ago is on mm. Philippians. Mm. And that's one of the so-called prison letters of, yeah. of Paul. He says, I write this to you in chains. Yeah. Most scholars think he wrote that while he was in his final imprisonment in Rome. Yeah. But I says it's possible that he could have written it here. Um, I mean, one of the infuriating things about his his letters is they don't start like a modern letter would with, you know, mm. Monday the 3rd of January, yeah. you know, mm. uh, AD 39. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Caesarea, yeah. the prison. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so you're never quite sure. But yes, I mean, I suppose... I suppose it's one of those things. He achieves a huge amount. God has told him that he's going to be in prison. So clearly the hand of God is on this. Mm. Um, but I think he, or may maybe actually during those two years, he was banging his head against the wall going, ah, what but are they going to like he But he seems to be at peace. Yeah, it sounds like he wasn't um, in a jail cell perhaps as much. Maybe he was more on, do you know what I mean? Like, because uh, there there's been times before where he's like, in a in in a modern sense, he you know you'd have a a clasp around your ankle like beyond those. Um, yes, he's on he's under house arrest. He's under house arrest, so he he's not necessarily in a in a prison. No, I mean I th and I think I mean actually the Roman world had very few what we would call prisons, prisons yeah. because they didn't they didn't have the. I mean, really, no pre-modern society had the capacity to have large mm. numbers of people. Mm imprisoned at the state ex expense. Do you know why? This is something I heard just as a bit of a random tangent, but prisons, and they're called cells, because there was an understanding when prisons started to be formed that um, if you were to take an individual and put him in a, a solitude kind of room mm. by himself, like the monks would do, they would go to their cell, they would have their own cell yeah. where they would pray. The thought was that if you take a criminal by himself, stick him alone, that over time his own conscience would would convict him that he would be alone in a sense with God mm. and that in his cell he would learn repentance and would then come out changed mm. and the idea was to create um, prisons who are with many cells so they each cell was like almost like a little hermit's cave for that mm. individual that over time they would repent change their ways and become better but sadly that's yeah. not what happens not what works but yeah that's I mean well, he, he wouldn't have been in a cell in mm. a modern sense he would have mm. been Probably in someone's home, I think. Yeah. And probably under guard of some description. Mm. And probably he and his friends would have been responsible for paying. Yeah. Right. Like, like, I wonder like, Can you can you imagine that these days? You like you leave leave prison. In fact, actually, even as I say that, there's there's been that I can't remember the exact details, but there was a huge miscarriage of justice in this country um not not that long ago and, and the chat was completely cleared. Mm. And um they were then going to um, give him compensation for the fact that he'd been locked up for like 15 years or something mm. like that, you know, mm. um, really bad. And one one of the calculations which he was really annoyed about mm. um, in the, the compensation was they deducted room and board from 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 the compensation it's like well we did feed you and, and you got accommodation offers when you were in prison. Wow. And I think he was like, Really? Wow. <laughs> so mate, I was gonna say, can you imagine if can they did that? But maybe that? they wow. do still do that. That's crazy. Um, do you think that Paul had in the back of his mind, you know, because he would have known the scripture so well, like Joseph and how Joseph was taken and imprisoned before he was eventually mm. exalted. And I just wonder if Paul, if Paul knew then, like <clears throat> I suppose he does talk about, you know, if God takes me and the people and the prophetic imagery that he was given using 
by people tying themselves and this is how you will be and you will be um, taken here and there and um, imprisoned. But whether he, he thought, I mean, I'm sure in some points in his solitude or his imprisonment, he would have thought, well, maybe maybe Christ will um, exalt me in a way in this world, you know, like Joseph was lifted up out yeah. of prison and became Pharaoh's right-hand man. And whether he thought that might come, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. It does make you think that, you know, um, he does seem to make made good use of it when yeah. when he writes. Um, there's I can't remember which one, but at least one of his his letters, um, he talks about the whole palace guard knowing mm. you know why I'm in chains. Mm. He's obviously not just sitting on his hands, but there there seem there does seem in the way that this is described and his calmness. You know, he's not sort of sort of angry. His calmness under pressure, as though there's a there's a sense of peace. Mm. And I find myself thinking, I wonder whether there's something we can learn from this. Yeah. In that, you know, I think we always assume that if we're in the centre of God's will, that looks like... Yeah, exactly. You know, an amazingly fruitful ministry. Yeah. And and I was just thinking as you're reading through it, this isn't a bit of, of acts I know very well. You mm. know, I've I've... I've done sermon series as well as heard them. So this isn't a sort of dig at other preachers, but you know, how many sermon series are there um, on, you know, the first bit of Acts and the early church and the sort of first mm. third. And then how many sermon series are there on Paul's missionary journeys and mm. how we can learn from the way in which he evangelized. And and the answer to, to both those questions would be lots, but I don't think I've ever preached or listened to a sermon series on on the final few chapters mm. of acts you guys do sermon series we don't do that in my church we well just... funny enough actually we are we are in the middle of a sermon series at the moment in our church <laughs> we um, do lectionary uh, going through luke and acts in right. their entirety um wow. we've we've been doing it since the start of advent <coughs> 2022 Goodness. and we're on uh, luke 14 at the moment so we'll 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 in, in, a, in about a year and a half's time i think we'll get at chapter wow. 24 so so, so we're going that, like i don't know but but in, in some ways it's the same beauty of what we're doing now that you you, you come across bits like mm. this and and then it makes me think okay god like like cause, because because Funny enough, I was thinking this as we as we came down. We're we're such activists in our society. We're always trying to achieve. Mm. We're always, you, you know, trying to measure ourselves up against everybody else. Mm. And I think we find it very difficult to just to just be. Yeah. You know, can I have a year or two where um, I just did my job, was a good husband, was a good dad. Yeah. And you know, didn't have you know, a long list of achievements that I can write home about kind of thing. I was thinking about and, this. And there, are, and there are sort of fallow periods. Yeah. And it feels like God There's... has led L Paul into a fallow period here. Mm. But we're not interested in that. We want to look at the other things. And so maybe we don't learn the lessons that God, God sometimes leads us into fallow periods that may be two years long when yeah. nothing seems to happen. Yeah, just no, I, I absolutely agree. I was thinking, funny enough, I was thinking this the other day, the beauty of the ordinary mm. and how our society and you know things like the rise of social media makes everyone kind of yearn for and 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 grasp at like i suppose outward success whatever mm. that looks like and the next thing and achievement and being the first when actually the the hard truth is most of life is ordinary most people are <clears throat> in a sense kind of going to have an ordinary existence an average existence and 
and that is okay that is good and if you can if you can accept that and stand back and and say actually the wealth of life isn't like the great job or the bank account it is friendship relationship you know mm -hmm. family children if you're blessed to have them and that is that is you know in a sense accessible on the whole by everyone and that is a beautiful thing of life and and when you can pause and ex and and be okay with mm -hmm. in a sense what may be seen as ordinary actually there's great beauty in that and great reward in that in terms of acknowledging it and being at peace with the ordinary and um and the thing is the truth is it's actually extraordinary you know having yeah. love relationships mm. family children those are exceptional things and yet they are free for us all to potentially have and i think at the moment we're in a we're in a constant chase and you know the rat race of life to yeah. do more to get more be the first you need successful and that is exhausting and i and I honestly don't think it's fulfilling. I think it you just always look for the next thing. Um, mm. But if you can be okay with what you have. I mean, I I, th I think there's some really deep truths there. Mm. And I think, I mean, more than accepting the ordinary, um, maybe ordinary is the wrong word because you say it's extraordinary. Mm. It, it's, it's discovering the gold and the beauty within mm. it. I mean, I've, mm. as you know, spent a lot of time in recent years reflecting on peace reflecting on what it means to flourish um as a person as a christian in life and and my latest film series that i've already mentioned uh, once today <laughs> um is about pursuing peace it's looking <clears> at, <throat> at, at how we flourish and and one of the one of the sort of the really big and profound things that i've got from my studies it's, it's, it looks at a few verses in philippians that end in that famous promise of peace the peace of god which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus is that giving thanks for and rejoicing in and embracing and focusing in on all the many blessings that god has given us um rather than focusing on the stresses and the strains mm. and the bad stuff in life um is is extraordinarily powerful and mm. profoundly powerful and i think one of the reasons why it's profoundly powerful is that actually when you stop the most wonderful things that we have are all in that bracket mm. you know my salvation my relationship with god mm. all the spiritual blessings that he's given me um the the joys of my family mm. um the the joys of of um my friends and mm. my, the joys of my health all, all of those things matter so much more to me than mm. whether the sermon I gave on Saturday, on Sunday, was mm. the, the best sermon yeah. I've ever given. Whether that particular, you, you know, when, when I look back, actually, those are those are the things that are the the, the real mm. gold in my life. And yes, I'm excited about my job. I'm excited about my ministry, um, about the films that we make, mm. and those things. But. But actually, I've got nothing even to, to give into that unless it's coming from my relationship with God yeah. and the things underlying it, which are even more important. Um, and so the way that that I've often operated in my life in the past has been to focus on mm. the, the sort of the hamster wheel, the excitement, mm. the next thing, the sermon, the film series, mm. whatever it might be, mm. you know, trying to be successful, mm. when actually the, the core and the key of flourishing is is in those other things yeah so 
Um, it's a hard yeah. thing to to you, you kind of like you kind of know it from like film and tv yeah. you, you kind of like know oh that's the right answer but it's hard to own that answer and i and i think the way that that answer comes is being able to sit in silence and really mm. reflect and go deeper with yourself and god um or and the other hard truth is through pain and suffering mm. um that suddenly you're highlighted these are the important things because the world and its kind of trophies its clothing are stripped away when you go through pain and tragedy suffering in a way that is quite brutal and real and suddenly you're exposed and you suddenly really do that in a processing which is like what is what is what is vital and then you recognize oh this is vital my my love for my my wife or my husband or whatever or my children you know my my family my my friendship these are the these are the the treasures you know no one gets to the end of their life and you know sits and goes oh I, my salary was really good you know i'm i've just been with someone who is on there this morning in fact before this i sitting with someone who's on their last hours of life and um you know and she has her sons around her and uh you just recognize it really hits you with this 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 truth that this is the wealth of her life it's her family it's yeah her faith as well you know i'm sitting there reading psalms with her and her family are around her and you're like this is the treasure this is the this is the stuff mm -hmm. that is eternal and um everything else will fade away it's it's just the world is you know and the enemy is is so is so capable of deceiving us so easily and the flesh within ourselves is so so tempting away from the truth that um we lose sight um of what is real and precious and um what we need to hold on to so anyway we we've kind of tangent well, I was, I was but, gonna, but I, I think i think you know i mean just coming back to paul in, in prisons you know philippians which we've mentioned a few times is sometimes called the epistle of joy Mm. because he's so full of joy mm. yet while being in prison yeah and the beginning and, of and ephesians is amazing yeah. the first ch chapter of ephesians and he's leaning into what he knows of god and and i suppose that the only thing i'd add to the list is what we're doing now really sort of chewing mm. on the scriptures mm. and, and realizing that that you know just the extraordinary blessings that we have in mm. god mm. and and i suppose you know whoever you are whatever stresses you're facing whatever joys you're facing whatever whatever life holds for you what we have in jesus is a cause for rejoicing in the most wonderful news mm. what whatever and it's and it's a constant it, it's mm. that constant that's there um and i was just reminded of of um i don't know if you, have you come across brene brown the yes. sort of the vulnerability lately yes she's also done some research Shame on and various and, other yeah, things yeah. and one of the things that she did a lot of research on was was um joy and gratitude right and uh there's a, a wonderful uh, clip on youtube uh, look look it up where she basically says um uh there is a, a pretty much a direct link between joy and gratitude yeah but it's the opposite to what she thought it would be so mm. she assumed that joyful people would be grateful mm. but what she actually found was grateful people are joyful, joyful. and yeah. she said she did not find a single person in her research who was who had active like 
uh, uh, sort of disciplines of giving thanks. Yeah, who wasn't joyful. Yeah, um, and I and I think there's 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 maybe some just something in the, this passage. Paul doesn't seem to achieve a huge amount. There's two mm. years that pass, but but he is someone who has found how to be at peace, how to flourish, how to tap into God, <clears throat> even when life isn't cool and, and mm. funky and he's not achieving lots. And that's a wonderful thing for the rest of us to go after. Mm. Well, let's, let's carry on. Um, chapter 25. Three days after arriving in the province, Festus went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem where the chief priests and the Jewish leaders appeared before him and presented the charges against Paul. They urgently requested Festus as a favour to them to have Paul transferred to Jerusalem, for they were preparing an ambush to kill him along the way. Festus answered, Paul is being held at Caesarea, and I myself am going there soon. Let some of your leaders come with me and press charges against the man there, if he has done anything wrong. After sending eight... Uh, after spending eight or ten days with them, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he convened the court and ordered that Paul be brought before him. When Paul appeared, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many serious charges against him, which they could not prove. Then Paul made his defense. I have done nothing wrong against the law, the Jews, or against the temple, or against Caesar. Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favour, said to Paul, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there on these charges? Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have, I have not done any wrong to the Jews as you yourself know very well. If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by the Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. After Festus had conferred with his counsel, he declared, you have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar, you will go. Can feel the frustration of Paul there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's coming to this time where he's like, right, come on. Why you, you, I now see through your plan, Festus. You're giving, you're completely in the pocket of these yeah. angry mob of these Jews who want basically Paul dead. You're willing to hand me over to death because you're saying if I go to Jerusalem and in his mind, he's probably recognizing that if he goes there, he'll be. Well, dead. they tried to kill him on the way yeah. from Jerusalem yeah. to Caesarea. He's so, like, what's changed? so he's what's like, they're changed? probably going to yeah. try it on the way back. And then. Um, so as, as we were saying before the, mm. the 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 wheels of justice are, yeah. are not really turning at the moment this is this is all political this is all um you know he's got the power and and all of that yeah but then paul has i often wonder what would have happened if jesus had been a roman citizen it reminds me that jesus was one of the powerless mm. because jesus was at, at their mercy and humanly speaking there was nothing he could do mm. whereas paul has this this trump card um, which was, if you were a Roman citizen, you had the right to appeal yeah. to the emperor. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it takes him a long time to get there and it's quite an arduous thing and et cetera, et cetera. And it means going to Rome and, you know, mm. your life is on hold. So it's not something you, you want to do easily. Yeah. But it is your sort of, la you know, okay, last, right, yeah. last trump card, take me to Rome, let the emperor hear my case. Wow. Um, and then the emperor did this for a few years as well. But... Um, I don't know what was going through my mind there was, you know, Jesus didn't even have that. Jesus, yeah. You know, Jesus, you know, if Paul had not been a Roman citizen, this would be even worse. Yeah. Mm. Mm. 
Mm. Well, let's carry on. <clears throat> Festus consults King Agrippa. 25 verse 13. A few days later, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea to pay their respects to Festus. Since they were spending many days there, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. He said, There is a man here from whom Felix left as a prisoner. When I went to Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews brought charges against him and asked that he be condemned. I told them that this is not the Roman custom to hand over any man before he has faced his accusers and has had an opportunity to defend himself against their charges. When they came here with me, I did not delay the case, but convened the court the next day and ordered the man to be brought in. When his accusers got up to speak, they did not charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. Instead, they had some points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a dead man named Jesus, who Paul claimed was alive. <laughs> I was at a loss of how to investigate such matters, so I asked if he would be willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial on these charges. When Paul made his appeal to be held over for the emperor's decision, I ordered him held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Fistus, Festus, I would like to hear this man myself. He replied, tomorrow you will hear him. I mean, we've just read the, the Luke's yeah. account of what happened. Yeah. Like, I mean, Festus is doing some spinning. Here. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's like, he's really I was being so I nice and reasonable. I did and... not delay. I saw him straight away. And <laughs> he's always the, the hero of your own story, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, you are. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's Although not... he does admit to being a bit confused. Like, um, they... Like, like we're chatting about this like dead dude Jesus. Yeah, and apart yeah. from Paul said he wasn't dead. I, well, I have far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. You are always the hero of your own story. Mm. Well, let's carry on. Paul before Agrippa. The next day, Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp and entered the audience room with the high-ranking officers and the leading men of the city. At the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. Festus said, King Agrippa and all who are present with us, you see this man, the whole Jewish community has petitioned me about him in Jerusalem and here in Caesarea, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. I found that he'd done nothing deserving of death, but because he has made his appeal to the emperor, I decided to send I him mean, to again, Rome. I yeah. found that he'd done nothing deserving now of death. Now like, oh, oh, well, in that case, perhaps you should have released him. Yeah. Oh, no, no, I can't possibly release him now because for some unknown reason, inexplicably, he appealed to the emperor. Yeah, oh, and he Sorry. was, you know, and we know he was willing to let him die and, <laughs> and kept him in prison for two years. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Why didn't you just release him? Anyway, yeah. Sorry, carry on. Um, I, descended to, I decided to send him to Rome, but I have nothing definite to write to his majesty about him. Therefore, I've brought him before all of you and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that as a result of this investigation, I may have something to write. For I think it is unreasonable to send on a prisoner without specifying the charges against him. You think? Uh, yeah. Also, I wonder if I wonder if he's now suddenly like worrying a bit. Like, oh, oh yeah, because the, the, the emperor's going to be like, why, why is this guy here? Why wasting my time? Yeah. Why are you sending me? Release him. Do you know what I mean? Like, I wonder if he's like planting this in in like, oh, well, I, he he had a you know a gripper. I put him before the other king because I do think why if he does think there isn't anything yeah. and he's willing to send him before Caesar, surely he must be must be worried like i would be like you know what well he, do he i send have... him up to my boss i don't think there's anything wrong here why wouldn't i yeah i mean he's he is now in a difficult position because he has no choice he has to send him to caesar um could I he not just he, grant him freedom i think he probably could grant him freedom but then the jews would be cross so he's he he's trying to play politics and i suppose that the tragedy but not a tragedy because god is somehow sovereign over it all is that 
um, and we don't know this from Acts, but we think from church history that Paul goes to Rome. Yeah. He kicks his heels for a few years in Rome because, yeah. again, the wheels of justice seem yeah. to have frozen up back in Rome. And then um, there was a huge fire in Rome. Mm. You know, Nero, the emperor, by mm. that point, Nero fiddled while Rome, you know, burnt the, mm. the sort of famous phrase. And then Nero tried to pin it all on the Christians. Yeah. And so it was in that was the first great persecution of Christians was after mm. the great fire of Rome and church history tells us that Paul was executed in the middle of all that so right. you know he goes to he goes to Rome because he's not getting justice in Jerusalem and he doesn't fare any better in in Rome mm. and and yet somehow he knows and we know and it's strange but God is still at work. And, mm. you know, he writes those letters that you were talking about <clears> earlier. <throat> he he gets to meet with the church in Rome. Um, and somehow God clearly doesn't want Paul to be doing more ministry. You know, it doesn't make sense to me. If I'd been God, I'd have had Paul, you know, Paul would have been like my number one mm. player, first on the team sheet. Let's hoik him out of prison like earlier in Acts he hoiks mm. Peter out of prison yeah. let's get him going off to preach the gospel to Britain and Spain yeah. and Gaul and and I don't understand why God didn't do that it doesn't make sense to me yeah. and so often that's my reaction when I read the Bible God doesn't seem to be yeah. doing what I think is the smart move but God's ways well they work don't they you know he does know what he's doing um and that but there's a challenge in in, in that for us there, as well. yeah i mean you're kind of touching on kind of <laughs> massive things like sovereignty issues and but know. sovereignty issues on big things like imprisonment and death yeah. this isn't just you know i couldn't find the parking space and i was late for my meeting yeah you know sorry yeah um, yeah yeah i know it's interesting I, I mean i had a conversation once with a with a christian lady and she was like, oh, I was on my way up to a conference and, you know, the trains were delayed and, and I, and I, and I, and I was like, ha, devil, you're not stopping me getting to this conference and, you know, and, and, and prayed. And, and I remember thinking, wait, hold on, <laughs> you know, just pause, pause for a moment. I didn't stop her as she was talking, but I was just like, wait, so you're kind of suggesting that the enemy is delaying trains for like thousands of people. Um, so you don't get to your conference. And I remember having this kind of like weird quandary in my mind. Like, what do I think about that? Like, if I break that down and do I think that's re real? And are we as Christians sometimes kind of grossly arrogant that we think that God is, is or that the devil is just going, oh, I need to stop this person from getting to this conference. And I will, or uh, uh, do we place ourselves in the, in the eye of everything as Christians because we think that we are of I don't know I found it I found it really difficult conversation because I think in my kind of earlier Christian life my you know earlier kind of Pentecostal outlook that would have made a lot of sense and then I found it uncomfortable hearing someone talk about it like that like as if the enemy was somehow delaying trains so this one person <laughs> couldn't get up there and I was like I don't believe that, but I do believe in spiritual conflict and battle and this world behind this world that's there's that stuff going on. And yet I found it a rather, un, and I'm not saying I have an answer here, but I, I found it a rather uncomfortable um, conversation where, where, where this person really believed that that's what happened. I'm going to push back on you because yeah. I'm, I'm potentially on their side. I mean, I suppose 
I think one of the things that I find most unfathomable about yeah. God mm. is that he is, is, is that sometimes he doesn't act in the big ways like I think he should, like mm. you know, sorting out Paul getting out of prison and not being put to death, mm. and and yet at other times he has compassion on us in ways which is really quite small. I mean, I what was going through my head was the feeding of the 5,000. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, they're a bit hungry. They're going to miss their dinner. Like, mm. the, the world's not going to end because the crowd who came to hear Jesus preach yeah. missed their dinner. Yeah. And like, they're not even, they're not even really expecting Jesus to feed them. You know, I think they're yeah. probably all thinking, oh, oh, I'm a bit hungry, but I want to hear what he's got to say, so I'll, I'll hang on. Yeah. And then they witness this amazing miracle where they all get fed. And I mean, it's one of the most famous miracles because it's obviously an extraordinary mm. work of power it's and a an sign. And, and it's amazing. Mm. And it's an awful gospels and it's mind blowing on many levels, but it's just free, free lunch. Like, you know, yeah. nobody would have died. Yeah. Nobody would have been particularly inconvenienced by skipping a meal, but God cared enough. Yeah. Jesus cared enough to do something. And I get that. I understand that. But 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 I suppose so I suppose what I'm saying is that that God cares about my lunch. Yeah. And yet sometimes it looks like God doesn't really care about, you know, my death. Um yeah. and and I know from scripture that the first is true, God does care about my my lunch. The second is not true. God really does care about, our, you know, our death. There's that yeah. that verse. I can't remember where it's from, but precious in the sights of the Lord are the death of His saints. You mm. know, you know, I, you know, Jesus wept at the late grave of Lazarus. I'm sure, you, you know, mm. uh, like so. So I, I don't get it. And and there's definitely things where suppose- I'm tempted to say it's too small. But you know, Jesus said, "Pray, give us today our daily bread." Yeah. You know. I feel like that's a if, different if, point, though. Well, but, no, but I suppose what I'm saying is if God cares about the small things in my life, you better yeah. bet that the devil does. Because I suppose the devil just it... wants to mess up everything that God's interested in. He just yeah. wants to steal, kill, and destroy. I... And therefore, um, you know, may, maybe the devil did stop, want to stop that train. And, you know, maybe the devil was just trying to mess... I mean, because the devil loves messing up everything. So he thought, yeah. great, well, I'll stop that person from getting in the conference and I'll also do these other 50 things which will cause havoc at the same time. And if another thousand people are, are dismayed by it all and it messes them up, ha, 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 I'm the devil and I like to steal, kill and okay. destroy. All right, well, <laughs> I, or, or it was the just, trains were just running late and we love to over-spiritualize stuff to place ourselves in the center of some... Um, I mean, I feel like this maybe goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, you know we love to in a way exalt ourselves into some massive you know part of this big thing you know part of some great spiritual battle going on and we're kind of somehow like generals and and, you know and 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 the devil is out to get me or yes we are profoundly loved and, and god's grace is is there for us but we are we are sons and daughters of the most high, but we are also just created beings of dust in this earth mm-hmm. and living a normal life where pain and suffering is part of it, like where trains get delayed, parking spaces get taken. Um, and it's not some big under you know conflict going on um, just against us personally. There is sways and movements in the world um, that we are part of and sometimes we impact and, and sometimes we don't, but it, it's not a, I suppose what made me, uh, what great grated on me. And, and, and I think it's because 
I do it, that it's that I <laughs> that it provokes in me all be careful, is this uh, this way of thinking that that somehow <laughs> I am so important mm. um, that the whole of the world is against me and but me and god together will get through it and i wonder if there's a lack of humility there that that is like well yes you're important because you're god's child but but walk just walk <laughs> in a peace trust and humility um and that is the thing that i think concretely defeats the enemy not necessarily perceiving that he's around every corner against you but in that if you can humbly walk with god acknowledging the hurt and pain in the world staying with god um you will get through and i, I don't know i don't know if i'm making sense but there's something about job in there mm. there's something in, in a weird way job was this character in which everything was against him by the devil uh but he didn't take it like that. He just was like, "I'm not gonna curse God. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna believe." And it was his friends who were like, "Oh, you must have done this wrong. You must have done that wrong. There must have been this big thing going on. The conflict against you is this big." And there was a degree in which there was some right there, but ultimately, Job is proven right because he just says, "I'm not gonna curse God," and I don't understand this. It does seem unfair, but God is good, and I just remain with Him. And I don't know. I just, I wonder in, I wonder if the idea of like the social media success and celebrity mm. culture and celebrity pastors and all of this mm. creeps into our mentality as as Christians that the everyday and mundane and ordinary somehow we superimpose into some big spiritual battle in which we are at the forefront and we see ourselves as this kind of colossal figure when actually the truth is. There's an insignificance to us that is both beautiful and precious. And if we just acknowledge that God is with us in our ordinary, in the everyday, that that is actually quite defeating of the devil. I mean, I I don't know if that's really morbid or I'm I'm not sure I have a complete view that is formed. I'm just questioning it I, I out loud. I'm I'm and I I would agree with you in 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 almost every way. Mm. Um. I mean, I, I think that we do sometimes see ourselves as generals in the great battle. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got to go out there and take ground for Jesus. Um, mm. And, you know, Jesus really needs my help. Um, you know, and if I don't mm. yeah. if I don't do this, then the kingdom of God will fall. Yeah. I am his hands and um, his feet. And, and you're like and, robbing him of his own power when you say that in a weird way. Yeah. And, and when it comes to the cosmic battle between God and Satan, mm. um, we're just the spectators. Mm. Jesus has already won it. Yeah. The, the the victory has been won at the cross and at the resurrection. It has been won. We know how it ends. I've read the end of the book, Revelation. <laughs> the lamb wins. Mm. And the only question really <clears throat> is, am I going to fall? Mm. Um, or am I going to stand? And the most famous passage on spiritual warfare in the Bible is Ephesians 6, mm. um, which God, talks yeah. about the full armor of God. But it begins with, um, therefore, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Yeah. And it, and it talks about putting on the full armor of God that you might take your stand. stand. And then after everything, it, it, stand. stand. It's, yeah. all about, it's all about us standing firm. Mm. So I think it, 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 in one sense, um, you, I think you are, you, you are 
absolutely right. And and I think that an analogy came to mind um, of, you know, who are we? And I think sometimes we think of ourselves like, almost like God is like a great sports coach. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, and we think of ourselves like, I'm Lionel Messi. Yeah. You, you know, or or whichever, you know, I'm the star mm. and God's coaching me mm. so that I can go out there yeah. and do the business for God. Mm. Uh, and, and actually, um, I'm his son. Yeah. And, you know, the great sports coach, he loves his son more. Yeah. You, you know, he's more, you know, his four-year-old son who can barely kick a ball or yes. throw a ball or whatever is far more cherished, actually, and far more precious yeah. to him than even this megastar. Yeah. So... So in some ways we are far, you know, and and far more secure because if Lionel Messi becomes rubbish, yeah, you know, we we how many stories are there of yeah. superstars who yeah. who ended up not being so good? You you lose it all. Yeah. Whereas you know, as a son, you never do. Yeah. And um, and so we are far more cherished, far more loved, far more precious to God. Yeah. Um, than the the sort of I've got to go and you yeah. know be wonderful and amazing yeah and there is such security and there, it's so that's so much more pressure and so much yeah. more special but on another level i am insignificant because i can't change the outcome mm. the, the, and thank god because the outcome is jesus already won so yeah. and, I, and i think we 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 underestimate the the beauty and the glory of of being a child of god who, yeah. who god died for yeah and we overestimate the our ability to sort of be be the hero yeah i was um, i was thinking about this um in the other day and basically uh, the image it, to be honest it was like an image of a mountain and i was feeling like the all the kind of successes of my life um and the failures of our, of my life are kind of like clothing um upon me that don't determine me mm. um they are like the moss or the grass that grows on the mountain the mountain itself is solid and secure mm. and uh, I, and that was so um releasing for yeah. me because um i think we can either concentrate and and seek to gain access to heaven by our successes like oh i've done this or i've got that or i've done been part of this or we can be battered in shame by the enemy saying you are you've done this you've done that you are terrible and i think while both have a degree of kind of okay we need to reflect and 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 where we can change ultimately my my place is because i am a son and i confess christ as lord and that is my place that that is the kind of the mountain which i i stand upon and uh that is and the, that is the good news that yeah. it, it 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 isn't dependent on my success or my failure. It's dependent on Jesus and my willingness to accept that. And that makes the cross bigger. That makes yeah, his success bigger. That makes him bigger. Yeah. And I can I can actually let go a little bit of failure of sin by giving it over to him and recognizing that it's not on me. It's on him, and he's done it. Yeah. And it's really freeing and quite profound. And I don't know. I just, I, I suppose I, I just, I worry of the, the culture seeping into a Christian mindset. Yeah. 
but but yes at the same time and i suppose so i suppose where going back to that whole you know did the did the devil stop the train <laughs> yeah thing, i suppose in some ways another analogy comes to my mind is you know the president okay you, you know that the president has his chief of staff in the white house and he also mm. has his his potentially infant son mm. um the chief of staff doesn't get civil service uh doesn't get secret service protection but the son does right and in some ways that the 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 chief of staff you know the president relies on him and mm. you know mm. or her and and you know they're the, they're the main man and, and you're not that mm. whereas the son achieves nothing yeah but all the terrorists know go after the son if you want to hurt the president yeah because the president loves the son yeah and and the <clears throat> devil is the ultimate terrorist and he does go after <laughs> the son and so the devil does go after you and me yeah and the devil does try everything to throw us off track mm. temptation yeah probably a bigger one than stopping trains yeah. far more effective yeah, yeah yeah you know temptation and everything else that he can throw at us I, I, so i do think there is a spiritual warfare and the devil does have a go at us and sometimes it's not the devil sometimes it's it's just you know something went wrong and mm. i completely agree with you and you know we we don't we don't need to find the, the devil behind every chair and you know yeah. and everything mm. but we're foolish if we think that the devil doesn't want to have a go yes yeah. Um, but we have much better than Secret Service protection because we have God Almighty mm. standing at our side. So mm. um, I suppose um, I suppose that's what we're bottoming out, aren't we? Yeah. You, you, you matter a whole lot more than you think you do yeah. in the things that really matter, but a whole lot less mm. than you think you do in the making things happen. Yeah. Well, I hope... <laughs> I hope we made some sense there. <laughs> and if we didn't, we're very sorry. Yeah. But the the good news is that even if we completely bombed on the last 10 minutes of discussion, God still loves us mm. and we're still on our way to heaven. Where did I get to? Sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, sorry, I'd probably cut you off. Uh, I think just from the start of 26. 26, yeah. Then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against all the accusation of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with all the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jews all know the way I have lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify if they are willing that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. O king, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison and when they, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished and I've tried and I tried to force them to blaspheme in my obsession against them. I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. On one of these journeys, I was going to Damascus and the with the authority and commission of the chief priests. About noon, O king, I was on the road. I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, 
Soul, soul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the gods. Then I asked, goads. oh, sorry. Let me read that again. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. What does that mean? Sorry. That, that's something that you use to, to um, drive a horse or an ass, I think. I don't know. And Jesus exactly. said this to him. It yeah. is hard for you to so kick he, against the as goats. He, as he's sort of fighting against the reins, mm. I think. Okay. Then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Now get up, stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the powers of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles. Also I preached that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. And this is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I have had God's help to this very day, and so I stand here and testify to a small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer, and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I am saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with all these things, and I can speak freely to him. I'm convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. Then King Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Go, Paul! Yeah, Paul replied, short time or long, I pray God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for these chains. The king rose and with him the governor and Bernice and those sitting with them. They left the room and while talking to one another, they said, this man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festive, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. I'm just blown away by Paul preaching the gospel in this moment. Amazing, yeah. Like he is utterly unconcerned for his own safety, for his own defence. He's not trying to win the argument. He just wants them to, you know, like, he just wants them to know Jesus. Like, isn't that and and he tells his testimony which is very powerful and that there's there's something in there for us that you know actually telling our testimony of what jesus has done for us and mm. how we came to christ and what jesus means for us and some or all of the above is incredibly powerful in evangelism and and sharing our faith with other people but i just i just love the fact that paul <laughs> paul is just like and I mean, Witnessing. I'd, be, I'd yeah. be cheesed off with these guys, I, I yeah. suppose, as well. Yeah. So I'd probably be like, <laughs> you you know, and actually he's like, I want you to become a Christian. I want you to know. And they get it as well. And they're they like, get it. They're like, they, hey, they, they hey, hey, they're hey. like, wait, 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 wait. Are you trying to make me a Christian right now? And he's like, yes, I will. I will. <laughs> and everyone here, <laughs> apart from these chains, if you could all come to Christ, hallelujah. Um, that is, it is powerful. And you just see, you see God oozing out of Paul. Yeah. Uh, even in this condition, he's... I think there is a degree in which he is, he's standing on the truth, which is like, 
his his testimony it, it, what's happened to him he's trying to show them his you know his heart in all of this i i think there is a degree in which he's saying look i'm innocent but i i do at the same time there is he loves the lord and, he, and he's just trying to yeah. articulate his faith to these people and um and show them that yeah god is true and, and real and come to christ and there is a there's a boldness there that is kind yeah. of Goliath in its in its yeah. strength. It's just like, you know, I'm the giant here. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, you've got me in this, that, and the other chains, but I stand with God. And they, they all, there is a shrinking to them all and a growth yeah. in him. I mean, you wonder whether it's partly because he knows if God wants me to get out of here, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. So I don't, I, yeah. You know. Yeah. And if God doesn't. Well, I'm not getting out of here, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah, I'm just interested in in what the Lord is doing, and um, I mean, it's one of three places, isn't it, where we read about his conversion? Yeah, but there's something really beautiful hearing about it from his own mouth. And yeah, hearing, you know, and and you you get the sense almost that almost as though God has become bigger. Yeah, in like like so say we we we're in the mire of this sort of grubby political unjust trial mm. and then suddenly paul just opens it up and we see the greatness and the vastness and the glory of jesus and of god and we're like oh okay that's why he's using jesus that's why he's unafraid that's why he's mm. undaunted mm. um because he's seen god and frankly festus and agrippa you don't measure up yeah mm. amen well i think perhaps we should stop there um and uh yeah. Oh, I, finish I, that. Yeah, I mean we'll it's beautiful. I, I, there's so much we can say about it, but in some ways, I suppose just even as you say that to, to 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 the to the people listening, you know, we haven't really unpacked that final chapter much, but but chew on it a bit yourself because it's one of those chapters I think that in some ways you don't need you don't need mm. us to to say much more because it's kind of everything's but it's all there on the surface and mm. it's, it's beautiful and read it pray pray through it and and rejoice in it well why don't you pray for us as we finish well lord jesus we we thank you so much for your servant paul and we thank you for just how profoundly he got the truth of the gospel that that you are far above all all everything uh, but that you died for him that you died for us and lord we pray that you might give us and everyone listening the power to grasp that same truth of the vastness of your greatness, the wonders of what you have done for us and the riches and depth of your love. Come Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Hey guys, this is Rev Chris. Uh, thanks again for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it and been blessed. If you'd like to support me, then you can head to my Patreon and the link is in the bio. God bless.